It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, welcome in everybody. Great to have you with us here on this Tuesday, the 12th day of December. We are uh, well inside of two weeks away from uh, Christmas. It'll be two weeks from yesterday. Hard to believe. Pilk, have you done all the holiday? Philip the Rep Pilkington, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, our... Uh, our producer here today. Have you have you done all the shopping for those in your life, Pilk? Um, I'm I'm a good portion of it done. I still got a few more things. I got to get my sister something. But see, today's her birthday, so I've been in birthday oh. mode for her. And, ah, uh, what'd you get her for her birthday? Or can you not say? Well, no, I can't. Well, now that she's 21, I can say it. I uh, got her a bottle of whipped vodka and some uh, mixers to go with it. So happy 21st birthday, wow. Emily. Okay, Emily uh, Pilkington, the big two one today, baby. Yeah, unfortunately she had exams today, which stinks. Yeah, I talked to my granddad yesterday, uh, who turned uh, ninety five, war veteran and uh, true great American story. Up from pulled himself up from his bootstraps, kind of stuff, and um, he, he was good yesterday. But my my uncle or my aunt brought over dinner and he said, I got to go. I'm going to go eat. So he just, we cut the FaceTime short. He's hey. got, he's got new hearing aids so he could hear everything where before you had to scream at him on the phone or FaceTime or even in person, <laughs> but now you can, can hear you. So that's it's there you go. good to converse with him. He also was right. And my dad, the coach was wrong about the uh, two different games on Monday night football last night, but I explained all that to him. He didn't know the exact destinations. He's 95. But uh, so there you go. Big birthday in my family yesterday. Big birthday in the Pilkington family today. Um, great show yesterday. Got a lot of nice reaction to it, uh, which was is always good. Uh, and I uh, got a lot of reaction to uh, airing of the uh, offensive coordinator, John David Baker. We had that on our show Friday. And it was kind of a tough uh, time to get have that on uh, with uh, the placing in the six hour. But uh uh, we got him uh, then, and that was, uh, I thought, pretty good. I enjoyed um, talking to him with uh, Igo, and then they uh, re-aired it last night on the Coach's Show, so hopefully a lot of people have been able to hear uh, that interview either live, uh, replayed last night, or uh, on the podcast form at the IBX Media app. A uh, couple of things from yesterday. Obviously, uh, John, I, I thought John Gilbert said a lot of really intelligent and smart things on you know, exactly what we're looking at as far as this uh new division, not so much a separation, but just another subdivision. Uh, he pointed out some things yesterday I thought were really good. That's why we re-aired some of the commentary yesterday, because I thought John had a lot of good things to say on that. Um, we're going to get some thoughts from Brett Friedlander on this as far as the ACC goes in this subdivision. We'll also uh, get a little bit on uh, May leaving Carolina early to go play uh, to go to do the uh, NFL and skipping the bowl and uh, all of that, uh, plus some basketball. So uh, Brett Friedlander from Saturday Road will be coming up a little bit later on 
uh, here in this uh, program today. Uh, a couple of ECU notes because of uh, with John and then the basketball post game and then Cy with reaction and all of that. One of the things that we didn't get to yesterday that was uh, brought up was, I think, Pilk, you covered it in the update, uh, but it was, I, I didn't get a chance to get to it with everything else we had, but the announcement, I guess, that Boise State, that series is never going to get out of the starter's gate, and so uh, it's not going to happen. It makes total sense. I don't think the money, uh, there, there may even been a deficit once you, you know, exchange the money on that for what you would get paid to go out there and what you'd pay them to go here at the travel. I just, I think for both sides, it was more advantageous to try to find uh, more regional games, and I guess it was indicated yesterday that the Coastal uh, Carolina series announcement, perhaps in those slots in 26 and 28, is uh, forthcoming. Uh, the other thing that uh, I don't want to say got swept under the rug yesterday, but wasn't quite the uh, headline grabber that the Boise series was, and that was Marshall deciding to drop its uh, game where East Carolina was coming to Greenville, or excuse me, coming to uh, Huntington. And, of course, they still owe the Pirates a game coming to Greenville. They would rather go do buy games, uh, which is, is certainly their uh, priority. So uh, I thought those were some interesting things. I, you know, the Marshall thing, I, I know there's some fans out there. Um, well, I think the overwhelming majority of fans don't mind playing Marshall. I certainly don't. I don't know if I'd make it an annual uh, occurrence, but I probably would would try to do some two to four game deals with them over a span of time if they're willing. Um, you know, I think their fans like it. I think our fans like it from the standpoint we have a healthy respect for that program, and I, and I think their fan base respects our program. So I would love to see that continue in, in some way. Uh, it has a lot more regional appeal than, than other, you know, options uh, would as far as uh, – like Boise, for example, I, I was personally kind of excited for the Boise thing, because if you talk about, you know, a program that uh, has been one of those giant killers, it was TCU and Boise. Now, TCU's risen to heights where they played the national championship game last year. Boise's kind of been uh, the one that has been. Excuse me. Uh, you know, still in that G5, but they've probably been one of the top uh, G5 institutions as far as football goes. I, I just thought it would have been a cool series, but I totally get not wanting to try. I mean, you're you're almost in Washington State, Pilk, when you go to Boise, Idaho. You're practically there. You're just a few hundred miles from Seattle, yeah. the Pacific Ocean. So I, I can totally get, you know, getting out of that thing. And I, I think a wise move. Going, though. I knew a lot of people. A lot oh, of my Pilk, friends were can, like, "Let's go to Boise. That'd be great." Well, Pilk, nobody's stopping you, Pilk. You could, you know. I know. Book I a flight. I know, but well, they won't be playing ECU. It's not as fun. Well, but you could go see the the Smurf turf on I your can. own. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, uh, and I just checked on this. Uh, no official word on the Cam Hayes situation yet. Uh, the Attorney General in North Carolina, Josh Stein, has joined other attorneys general in other states in suing the NCAA uh, and trying to, for at least the time being, putting a halt on the NCAA's disallowing the two-time transfer to be immediately eligible. Now, we've seen the instance where Tez Walker got immediately, uh, well, not immediately eligible, but he did get eligible a few weeks after it was uh, denied by the NCAA. Apparently, East Carolina's hired the same attorney that UNC had. So that's 
good and encouraging and, and kind of a, a good thing to hear. Uh, and I think the basketball team needs needs Cam Hayes. I, I think if you could go ahead and get him back sooner than later, you feel really good about going into the uh, conference portion of the season with him, and you've given him some time to maybe work his way in. Now, if they said tomorrow you're you're eligible, I don't know if he'd play against Florida Thursday night. Uh, but it was my understanding that there could be a decision on the appeal uh, forthcoming maybe tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, I had heard, uh, maybe it was Henry who said this morning he thought it was today. But it's uh, kind of a Wednesday-Thursday thing from what I understand if, if it does come in. That's as early as it could possibly come in. So that's uh, kind of where we are there. I'll say one thing, Pilk, I am feeling better. I hope it's reflected in sort of my energy level. But um, it really is a struggle to talk for long stretches. So I may have you read some of these uh, cuts we're going to do in our pirate report. But, uh, look, I don't doubt any uh, bit whatsoever that uh, the Pirates need Cam Hayes. And uh, if there is a decision forthcoming, which, again, could be, uh, that's an important thing. And and right now, Pilk, the Pirates could use some shooting. Yeah, they could. It's uh, it's a team that I think has been offensively better than we thought, but um, you know has um, def- you know better than we thought they were going to be. However, the shooting from downtown hasn't really been as consistent. You know, Ben Baiella, um was you know had his or sorry, not Ben Baiella, Quentin Dabunje had a game there where he had a handful of threes, and I think the team has been solid defensively, but it would be nice to have that dead eye shooter, and I think Cam Hayes could definitely be that guy if he were to uh to be granted eligibility and hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later as we're gosh, getting really close to lead play here. Well, and you have right now three more games before you start conference play, so we will we will see. Uh, I, I guess the call you have to make is if it were to be delayed longer. I, I think any time, if you could get him back in the beginnings of January, I think you do. If you're sitting here maybe five weeks from now before a decision, then you got to kind of look at, do you want to you want to have him play just that part and cost him that year of L- you know, it, So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how that plays out. All right, uh, more from Coach Swartz from uh, Inside Pirate Athletics last night, in case you missed it, in our Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right. um, He was talking about uh, some of the close games that the Pirates have been in and the fact that they are involved in some close games. This is uh, Coach Swartz. Like, for example, if we could take ourselves right back to under a minute to go, Bob drives the lane on the right side, goes up and finds Ezra Osar with the ball, and he's got both feet in the charge circle with the ball about three to four feet from the rim. I'd probably put ourselves in that situation 10 out of 10 times and think we're going to live with the result there, whether it's finishing the play, getting fouled, finishing and getting fouled. It just so happened Ezra went to bounce the ball and it went off his foot and it goes out of bounds. And But to have the ball with Bobby and Ezra and get the ball right in front of the basket with the chance to take the lead, I'm not sure there's not a play or something you could draw up that would give yourself a better opportunity to take the lead at that point in the game. 
Uh, Coach Swartz talked about what has been a great home court advantage for the Pirates so far this season. Yeah, those three words are so special in college basketball, home court advantage. And I, I said it last year, and I'll say it again. You know, last year it was at least worth three or four games in terms of games, whether it was early in the season or, you know, the Cincinnati game late in the year last year. And uh, the home court advantage, the, the, the fans, that building, Minji's, when it gets going, is really, uh, it's a six-man and we had it versus Wilmington. Uh, you and I talked in a press conference after the game that, you know, our players feed off the energy of the fans, and then the fans feed off the energy of our players, and it becomes this great chemistry. And I thought we had it in the building, uh, honestly, for all 40 minutes. Even when we went down 11-12 in the first half, we quickly made a run and came back and cut the lead down to one, and they went on a 7-0 run, and they took it back up to eight, and then we chopped it down a little bit before halftime, and Got off to a really good start in the second half and got the thing back where we wanted it to be. And it was, it's what a heavyweight fight basketball game is supposed to be. And, and we expect to have a lot of those in conference, but we want ECU basketball to have those in the non-conference too, especially at home. And this is uh, Coach on what will carry over from the South Carolina game. Cut five. I don't know if we can draw based on, hey, talent, that, you know, this and that. Like, we know South Carolina's a really good team. Florida's a really good team. What we have to do is we have to draw on the areas that we know we fell short in that South Carolina game. There were some defensive breakdowns that we had. We watched them today. We went over them as a team. There's some things on offense that we know we got to clean up. You know, you can't always count on the ball going in the basket, shooting the ball well, but you can't have better execution. You can't have better just some small things here and there that we worked on today that you hope and we will work on the next couple of days. So I think that's where the confidence can stem from within your own team. And uh, before we get the scout on Florida Pilk, uh, let's play uh, Coach Schwartz talking about playing back-to-back SEC games. Yeah, I like it. The problem is I hadn't lost much to uh, South Carolina right. or Florida when I was there, so I would love to be able to keep that trend going. So, um, But, yeah, you know what? Again, I say this, that we want to stand in the center of the ring with anybody we face. And this time of year, basketball is going to be this. Basketball is not – no one's going to get backed in a corner, and, and, and the rink fight's going to be over in the first couple of rounds. And we want our guys to understand that. And I think that's what our younger – younger – I don't want to say we're young, but we're younger. South Carolina had 500 Division One starts on that roster and two 1,000-point scores. They were four grad seniors. Right now, we don't have one grad senior, and we don't have one senior on the team. We have some sophomores, some juniors that are real contributors, but at some point, there's going to be some GRs and SRs next to our roster, and I think all of these experiences we're going through are really going to help us. So let me um, let me just point one thing out there, Pilk, see if you picked up on it. The, uh, the humble brag. I haven't lost much to those teams. What he's talking about, <laughs> South Carolina and Florida. He's talking about his time at Tennessee on Rick Barnes' staff. I thought that was a pretty good little, uh, just a little, you know. Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. You got to. I yeah, mean, it was hey, good. you, you got to celebrate wins, and you got you to still love them years later. That was good. That was good. All right, uh, final thing here in this uh, deal with uh, Coach Schwartz for the Pirate Report. Uh, and that is scouting Florida, which the Pirates will uh, leave tomorrow to head to Orlando, then to Lakeland, where they will take on the uh, Florida Gators in the Orlando Magic's G-Team League arena. They're a really nice arena uh, in Lakeland in one of the uh, neutral site games that you uh, often get this time of year. 
Here is uh, Coach Swartz with the scout of the Gators. Very, very high-tempo team that wants to shoot the ball very quickly. They will shoot a lot of threes. On their roster, all but anybody that's played more than six games has shot a three for their team. You know, I think they have a couple guys that maybe play two games or three games that, you know, maybe don't play as much that hadn't shot the ball from behind the arc. But every single one of their players has the green light to shoot the ball from behind the arc. And then they are an elite offensive rebounding team. Go Gator. There you go. The Gators. Go Gator. Took me a while to find that pill. But I found it. But you found it. That's what matters. I found it. That's all that matters. So the game will be uh, 7 o'clock on Thursday night, a 6.30 airtime on uh, 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT. Uh, if you want to uh, relive any of our shows, if you want to listen to us on the go, uh, if you want to watch video of uh, any of the video streaming that we uh, do with our programs, including this show, you want to look at this gorgeous face, or maybe when Sonny's on, you want to watch Sonny for whatever reason. It's up to you. I don't know when he'll be on again, but you could go back and relive some of the great moments. Uh, with the IBX Media app, you've got uh, Hoist the Colors, you've got the Steve Logan Show, you've got this program, and all of our other IBX Media Station programs. Uh, you have podcasts of those, Mark and Laura in the Morning Rush, Talk of the Town in the Mornings from our talk properties. All you can, and you can buy the Embers tickets. We've got the Embers concert in less than a week, uh, that is for uh, a charitable uh, for kids in need with the uh, money going towards that. Uh, it'll be here in Greenville at uh, one of the local churches. You can uh, you can buy tickets there. So you can do all of this at the IBX Media app. That's where I'm trying to send you. Uh, you can go, and uh, it's a very simple download. Very simple download. Google Play, App Store, no pre-roll ads. Couple clicks, you're on your favorite station or your favorite show. Uh, the IBX Media app, download it today. It's absolutely free. All right. Uh, when we return, I want to get into uh, some uh, football talk and some basketball talk and uh, get it from the ACC perspective. Our friend uh, Brett Friedlander, been a minute since we've had him on. He'll join us here on the show. Saturday Road, the great Brett Friedlander, when we get back on the Patrick Johnson show. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Ow! Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, welcome back. This uh, Tuesday, let's uh, go now to... uh, our uh, video link here where Brett Friedlander has uh, joined us from uh, Saturday Road. Uh, hello, Brett. How's it going? Good it to going, see you Patrick? again. Always good to talk to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. Uh, what a crazy season it's uh, been. We've uh, <laughs> let's, uh, where, where to start? I want to start, I guess, with this subdivision uh, that uh, the NCAA is proposing for the uh, universities to play, uh, to pay uh, students to play to directly pay student athletes in some cases to play for uh, their respective institutions. Uh, I want to play a little something from uh, Stephen Igo's show yesterday that we played with uh, John Gilbert. I, I believe in this cut. I hope I have this right. I believe in this cut that he has the uh, uh, kind of estimated what he would say, you know, number of, of uh, schools, at least in the SEC, that would probably not participate in this. Uh, he did mention, I don't know if it's in this cut about 
you know, uh, the ACC numbers. So uh, if he doesn't mention it, I'll mention it. We'll get your reaction to the whole thing. So here we go. I don't really want to term it a split. In Division One, and, and if I had, I'm spitballing uh, a number of teams, it's probably going to be somewhere around 40 teams or so that are going to operate more like a professional franchise. But, but I'd also caution everyone with this, like what, what I saw that they proposed, like the bottom third teams in the Southeastern Conference could not afford to do what they're proposing. And conversely, what John would say, maybe uh, in that same answer or in another answer about the same topic, was that you know you're not looking at a real top-heavy amount going from the ACC right now. Would you agree with that? Well, I would for for starters, I would say that I cannot see Wake Forest uh, affording to do it. Uh, I would say that. Duke would have a hard time affording to do it. You know, the small private schools. Uh, Syracuse is another one. Uh, I, I think there's a there's a lot of moving parts in this. I, I think this is just the first step. I think eventually it's going to happen, and it's probably oh, sure. going to happen yeah. sooner than later. But, I mean, they're already talking about having to get Congress involved uh, and and with all the lawyers and, and, and that kind of thing. I I, I I just have to see the you know the finished product before I can kind of get any kind of a feel. But I I would imagine that not everybody is going to be able to to take part in this, and I think that's the point. <laughs> well stated, and and I think there's going to be some places. I I'll say NC State. You may disagree that I don't know if NC State could could truly afford to do this because the, the thirty thousand for half the athletes per athlete it just gets you in the door. That's the starting point. I mean, that's a but lot of money any, just to get in the door. With, but isn't it the same way with NIL right now? I mean, you know, some oh, yeah. schools are able to, you know, to, to pay more than others. And, you know, NC State, you, you look at the, 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 uh, the places they're getting their transfers from, uh, and it's not the same as places like Alabama and Florida oh, sure. State. Right. Clemson, it's because they don't have the money. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Thing, I just too. I can't see. I can maybe see North Carolina attempting this, maybe, maybe, but I I just don't, I don't know if NC State. I just don't know if the economics Patrick, work. If and if North Carolina is going to be able to do it, wouldn't NC State have to do it too as a state school? Uh, I, mm. I, yeah, it's it. Like I said, I, I just have to see the parameters. I have to see what this thing really looks like, right? Because yeah. it's it's just it's just right now. It's kind of fantasy still. Do you like the idea, though? The concept? No, not necessarily, because, again, the playing field's not going to be level. But whether I like it or not, it's going to happen, because that's just the way we're headed. I mean, you can see it. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's already happening, because NIL is not working out the way that they had intended it. I mean, no. it's it's gotten to be <laughs> pay for play. I mean, you know, you got guys who are who are getting, you know, big checks who are, you know, I mean, recruits. I mean, it's like, hey, come here and we'll, we'll, we'll get you this kind of money. It's supposed to be money earned because of what they've done, because of their name, image, and likeness. And basically what it is, it's an incentive to come now. For uh, into his fifth decade, how about that? Into his fifth decade covering the ACC, Brett Friedlander uh, at God, uh, Saturday so Road. Old. Well, you started when you were a youthful, a youthful lad. Uh, yeah. And Brett is uh, is here with us. So, do you foresee? Well, and I mean, this is just so complicated because 
where does the grant of rights? I mean, we have we had a huge discussion mm-hmm. a few months ago. And where does the grant of rights come in? Somebody's going to challenge it eventually, but I mean, it's still it's still cost prohibitive to do it now or even in the next couple years. Patrick, if you're if, in the ACC, if, if if it was escapable, somebody would, would already have, have left. I mean, <laughs> right. seriously, the, the lawyers have been going over this thing with a fine tooth comb for three, four years now, and they haven't found anything. If they haven't yet, they're not going to. And this is why I think the uh, you know SMU and Cal and Stanford and the seven year. Uh, window that uh, SMU is going to go without taking a share of the revenue and and the other two are going to go with a, um, a reduced share. I think that's important because I think that is the length of time that the ACC has left to figure out what it's going to do moving forward or how the, the whole picture is going to look. Because I, I think that leaving now and having to go 13 years without TV revenue <laughs> killer ain't happening i mean it's just not i mean it's just you bankrupt your you bankrupt your institution never mind the Absolutely. athletic department i mean yeah they could pass the hat around and they could come up with that hundred and ten thousand uh, hundred and ten million dollar exit fee that's doable but going for 13 years without any tv revenue is is just you know just, you can't do it but now if you go maybe five years Maybe you can pull it off. Maybe there are other ways of, 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 you know, making up for the difference. And so I think that seven years is an important figure because I think that yeah. right now is how long the ACC and that grant of rights is going to, to, to hold. May hold longer, but I think that right now is, is Minimum. the window yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Brett Friedlander uh, is with us uh, here. Do you, uh, do you think Florida State's, case to want to leave the conference was um, greatly uh, enhanced, perhaps. Uh, I'm talking internally uh, with their people uh, after what happened a couple of weeks ago, or do you think uh, that it's maybe just a simple case of, hey, the quarterback and the backup are both hurt? Well, internally, I think they are going to use it as an excuse to try to you know, to intensify the, the, the will to get, to get out. Because they want to get out. I mean, they just they they feel like that they're better than the ACC, and they want to be part of uh, either the SEC, preferably, or the Big Ten, if if nothing else. But um, I, I think that with the with the playoff going to twelve teams next year, I I think this really shows that they really need to stay, because if they can go right. undefeated in the ACC next year, it's basically a, an automatic bid, and so. Do you have a better shot of going undefeated by staying in the ACC with Clemson kind of struggling right now, at least for them, and everybody else kind of, you know, on a second tier? Or do you want to go to the SEC where you got to deal with Alabama, you got to deal with Georgia, you got to deal with LSU, you got to deal with all those teams, or the SC, or the, uh, the the Big Ten where you have to deal with Ohio State and Michigan? I, I think it's in their best interest to stay, but I don't know that they see it that way. The other part of it is this, and and this is the thing that I, I you know, I mean, I, you look at Oregon and Washington a couple of weeks ago, or last weekend, and I mean, or two weekends ago, whatever it was, and I mean, if I'm Rutgers or Indiana, I, I got no hope. You, you're, yeah. I mean, you're, if you're the somebody's got to finish last in this stuff. Yeah, and and this is where you know the whole paying of the athletes and the whole. I think even before that happens, there may be some contraction here because I think 
20 team conferences are just untenable. How do you, you know, logistically, how do you do that? I mean, scheduling is bad enough, but what about a, a conference tournament, the basketball tournament at the end of the year? Do you have it for a whole week? It's two weeks. I mean, it's already. No, you have to have it for a week and a half. <laughs> and, and so I, I think sooner than later, you're going to see teams pulling out of some of these conferences and, and there being maybe some shuffling or some realigning or even new conferences that start. I mean, it just, it just can't go on for too long. I think a couple of three years of this and, and I think these conferences are going to realize this is just not doable. And so, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I mean, and listen, that having been said, I think the ACC really missed an opportunity. If they were going to add Stanford and, and California, they should have gone mm-hmm. just full out, the full Monty there, and and raided everybody. Take the Washington State, the Oregon State, and have a full Western division. And that way right. you could just kind of have two leagues where you just have a championship game in between at the end, and you don't have to worry about cross-country travel and anything like that. But, you know, I mean, they, they waited till it was too late, and, and they yeah. acted – they reacted rather than acted. All right. Um, we haven't talked about anything I wanted to talk to you about. Can we? <laughs> although I did want to talk to you about this. Can you hold through a break and an update? Because I want to ask you a little bit about uh, some ACC basketball. I want to ask you about May and, and kind of how we look at his career at Carolina. So can, can, we, can you hang through the break? Sure. Do you mind doing that? All right. Yeah. Great. The great Brett Friedlander. Awesome. SaturdayRoad.com uh, uh, covers uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, on that site. Okay. Tell you what we're going to do. Uh, Pilkington with a 94-3, the game sports update and pirate report, and then back with more with Brett right after this. Pilk? Thanks, P-Man. We will start with more portal news as Pirates linebacker Rara Dilworth has entered the transfer portal. He started seven games this past season with the program. Former Michigan State quarterback Caton Hauser has ex- entered the portal and is expected to visit ECU earlier this week. Hauser had seven starts this past season for the Spartans. He will be entering his redshirt sophomore season coming up in 2024. Future Pirate basketball opponent has added a piece to their roster as former Kansas State forward Naquan Tomlin announced that he is transferring to Memphis. He will graduate later this week and is expected to be able to join the Tigers team shortly after being admitted to school in Memphis. He was suspended from the Wildcat program indefinitely after being arrested on disorderly conduct back in October. However, before the Pirates worry about any conference teams, they will have to handle the Florida Gators. Two things uh, primarily. Incredibly fast team in transition shoot a lot of threes and one of the top 10 offensive rebounding teams in the country that game will be on thursday at seven you can hear it right here on 94 three the game tonight there is some local college basketball as 21st ranked duke will host hofstra you can hear that on our sister station talk 1037 and also nc state will be hosting tennessee martin both those games are scheduled to tip at 7 p.m the chargers have announced that they are placing justin herbert on ir as he broke his finger in sunday's loss to the broncos this will end the quarterback season. Easton Stick is expected to make a the start against the Raiders on Thursday. He will only be the fourth quarterback to start in a Chargers uniform since Drew Brees was traded following the 2005 season. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will be back with more from Brett Friedlander on the Patrick Johnson Show. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. 
All right, uh, Brett Friedlander is joining us here from Saturday Road. He's been good enough to hang through the uh, break here. And a couple of things I wanted to uh, post to him as we get ready for the uh, all season coming up. Uh, it was decided that uh, Drake May is going to, uh, you know, obviously forego. Uh, and I think Tez Walker may be doing the same thing, foregoing his uh, final uh, or the final game, the bowl game in Charlotte. Uh, but with with May more specifically, um, it makes sense. This has happened. This is the day and age we're in. I think it's, what, seven or eight now? Starters either are hurt or in the portal or, or just not going to play for NFL reasons for the Tar Heels. Uh, nonetheless, uh, when you look back at Drake May's legacy in, in North Carolina, what would you say it is? Well, Cedric Gray is another one who is opting out, but uh, I would say that Drake May's legacy is uh, a wasted uh, opportunity, uh, not on his part. I mean, he did everything he could, but I mean, this is now two generational quarterbacks, two NFL starting quarterbacks that they have had in a row. And the best they could do is a Coastal Division championship. And yeah, they went to the Orange Bowl in the COVID year, but um you know, you would you would think that that they could have surrounded them with better talent or done more with them, but uh, you know, six and zero, they were on collision course with Florida State, and then they lose to Virginia, they lose to Georgia Tech, and they never recovered. Uh, great individual career, but you know, you have to look at the whole from a big picture standpoint. It was it was a disappointing two years. It is. <sighs> You know, they've, they've, the chancellor there is leaving. Now, there's some more to it than mm-hmm. athletics, but I, I got to think there's a little bit of athletics at play here. Uh, there's some uh, reported rancor between Bubba Cunningham and uh, and Mac Brown. I think Mac wants to be the AD. That's just my personal uh, opinion. So how do you foresee, I mean, ultimately, I don't think he wants to be it right now, but I think ultimately that's what he would like to do. How do you foresee uh, all of this kind of playing out there with Mac Brown? That's why I bring all this up to ask you that. You know, Mac is 72 years old, and he has succeeded in doing what he came back to Carolina to do. Uh, he, he cleaned up the mess that, uh, that Larry F- uh, Fedora left. Uh, he has gotten them back to the point where they are now at least on the verge of relevancy. Uh, if, if he couldn't get it done with Sam Howell and Drake May, then he has probably maxed this thing out because next year, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the, the transfer portal uh, is such that you can make a, you know, major strides in one year, but you know, you have to figure they're going to take a step back without all those guys that you mentioned. Uh, at this point, why not just say, look, I, I did what I came to do. I'm stepping back and letting somebody else take over. Uh, he loves this. He loves being with the kids. Uh, this is his, his thing. Uh, he's going to stick around from best we can tell. I mean, that's what he says yeah. he's going to do. I mean, he may be one of those guys like Bear Bryant that when he steps away, that's it. I mean, he's got nothing left to live yeah. for. So, uh, but I, I think it really is time. And I think for the good of the program, uh, it, it would really be uh, a good time for him to just kind of bow out and step back. Couple quick answers here. Did Elko do Duke dirty by leaving in the middle of the night? And did uh, is well? Let's answer that first. That just it seemed a little out of character from a guy. Look, I think no, you're crazy if you didn't think he was going to take the A and M job. How he handled it seemed to be pretty poor. Absolutely, I, I don't begrudge him for leaving. Uh, it's it's a great 
job in that even if it doesn't work out and he gets fired, he's set for life. Uh, but the way it happened was really bad. I mean, not, you know, Googling the, or not Googling, uh, texting the team, uh, you know, going off in the middle of the night, showing up and, 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 you know, having his press conference at midnight. And I mean, he could have waited till the next morning. And I understand that Texas A&M was in a hurry to get it done, but uh, it, it, it just really did. You, like you said, seem out of character for him. And it left a really bad taste in a great, two-year stretch in which he got that program back uh, to to respectability. And I and I really do like the hire of Manny Diaz to replace him. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that it's, it's, it's a situation where they're not going to tear it down. Uh, he's a defensive guy who's already, uh, uh, you know, lured a couple of guys back off the transfer portal into the program again. Uh, I, he's a guy who his last job had Mario Cristobal not been in the picture. I think he still would be the coach at Miami. It's not that I mean he got them to bowls all three years. He had the second best record. Oh, he took over the, the program. And it stunk. It was in disarray in Miami yeah. when he took over. And and they they wanted Mario because he was an alumnus. Uh, he he was great at, at Oregon. He he just got caught in a situation where he was the wrong guy at the wrong time. So I, I think it's a really good hire. He's got a lot of energy. I think he's going to really energize the boosters. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, that Mike Elko really, really kind of did himself a disservice. Not necessarily right. the program, but you know, I, I think it really didn't come off very well for him. Throw out the records when State hosts UT Martin on the hardwood and Duke hosts <laughs> Hofstra. Although Hofstra's got a nice little program. Speedy Claxton's actually Speedy done Claxton a really nice job. Speedy Claxton is the job. coach. Yeah. yeah, he's done a really nice job with Hofstra. So, uh, but Duke you know, should be the favorite prohibitively in, in that tonight. What is, uh, let's just get a quick primer on those two programs, State and Duke. Let's start, I guess, with the Wolfpack. Uh, six and two to this juncture. Uh, how do you how do you evaluate what you've seen out of Keats's group so far? I like what I've seen, and I especially like what I've seen since MJ uh, Rice uh, it, it became eligible mm-hmm. or uh, joined yeah. the team because he just gives them even more firepower. Uh, they've got a really strong perimeter game, uh, which is incredible considering what they lost on the perimeter last year. And DJ Burns is just a load inside, and and Ben Middlebrooks and the kid from Missouri, uh, Missouri Diara, uh, give them some versatility. They can go either big, they can go small. Uh, I, th- I think it's a good team that's going to get better as they as they learn to play together and gel. Um, and as far as Duke is concerned, you know, I've got some real issues. and I got some real reservations about that team because, uh, you know, Derek Lively gave them a defensive presence inside and a rebounding presence that this team does not have. A lot of talent. Um, I think they need uh, Tyrese Proctor to start playing the way he did at the end of last year. Uh, the freshman – Look like that they, you know, aren't plug and play. That they need to, you know, to to kind of get used to being in college and 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 kind of grow. But I just think that this is a team with some flaws that I'm not sure that 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 John Shire is going to be able to fix. Uh, and then the uh, Tar Heels, obviously, I think have have played uh, a little. Uh, Better than maybe some had expected. I mean, they were top twenty team, but uh, they've they've played pretty well. No surprise they lost to UConn. Anybody who's saying, "Oh, well, that was a bad loss," is is ignorant. I mean, UConn's excellent, uh, fantastic. UConn uh, played Kansas brilliantly out in Lawrence on as a true road game. That's a good basketball team. So, uh, give us a quick uh, a, a quick 
recap of the Hill season to this juncture is I think they don't play till this weekend against Kentucky. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. This is a better Tar Heel team than last year. Uh, Harrison Ingram is really an upgrade over Nance. Uh, Elliot Cadeau is already really good, but he's going to get even better as he just kind of settles in. I think they're a little bit deeper. Um, I think that, um, that, um, RJ Davis is better off the ball now that he's, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about the ball handling, uh, uh, chores as much as he did last year. Uh, but here's the thing. We've seen how good this team can be when they play transition basketball, when they play some tempo, they get up and down the court. Look at what they did to a really good defensive team, Tennessee, in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they have some issues in a half-court game. And when you get physical with them and you make them play a half-court game the way Tennessee did in the second half and the way UConn did in the entire game, yep. Yep. Um, they, they've got some work to do. And so uh, this is going to be a real test for Hubert Davis. If he can, you know, wrap this team around him and, and, and kind of, you know, get it to play uh, well in situations where they're not as comfortable, uh, or if they're basically going to be one-dimensional and if they get, you know, out of their comfort zone, then you can beat them. Uh, I think it's an important year because it's year three. Um, and, and this is an on the job training situation and Carolina is not an on the job training nope. kind of program. <laughs> no, it is not, especially nope. after what happened last year. It is not the, that, uh, that final game long forgotten yep. after what happened last year, uh, really quick here. And anyway, I appreciate your time. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Brett Friedlander from SaturdayRoad.com. Um, what about, uh, Jim Beheim on television? I've not seen it yet, so I can't really say. But isn't it? Apparently, he's pretty good. I imagine he is. I mean, he's sarcastic. He's he's opinionated, and that's what you really need in a studio analyst. Uh, yeah. And you know, and listen, and and according to his son Buddy, and you know, I asked him at the last uh, ACC media day that all of them were there. I think it was two years ago. I yeah. asked Buddy. Mm-hmm. I said, "Is he is he that dour at home? I mean, is he like is?" I mean, he can't possibly yeah. be. How could anybody be that miserable? And Buddy said, no, it's a character that he plays. So uh, if that's the case, then I think that he's going to be really good. I haven't seen him either, but I'm kind of looking forward to it because, you know, he, he used to spar with the media. I mean, he, you know, he was such a curmudgeon and, and now he's on the other side of it. And I want to see a coach get a little testy with him. It would be good, wouldn't it, to see that, see that happen? All right. Yeah. Some young up-and-comer has no idea who he is. All right. Um, <laughs> Brett, thank you, buddy. Have a great holiday, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you in the new year, hopefully. All right, Patrick. Take care. All right. Brett Friedlander. Great stuff there. SaturdayRoad.com. Check out Brett's uh, work there. We've got him uh, tagged on our X page, so you can go there and uh, follow all of his uh, tweets as it relates to uh, – sports and the ACC and what have you. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and uh, kind of get the table set for tomorrow. Have another great show in store for you, so we'll tell you all about that. Uh, we are taking a uh, timeout, and we are coming back with a uh, final segment here on this uh, Tuesday for the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here. I wasn't sure what happened there for a second. I'm sorry. I, that was on me. I started the music, and it cut off the other thing. That I'll, I'll take the blame for that. I'm Who sorry, knows? Man. Who knows? Technology. I still haven't figured it out yet. So, uh, 
Otani has deferred a, a huge, I mean, like an insane amount of money to the back of his contract. And this has been done in baseball for years and years and years and years. So it's nothing new, right? I mean, this is nothing that is uh, new. And I mean, Barry, uh, no, not Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid by the Mets. I think he has a few more years where he's getting like a million bucks at least, right? I think Griffey's got a bunch of deferred money from the Reds right now that he got paid or still getting paid. But show he's he, what he's he's deferring how much pilk like he's pretty much getting paid like 20 million and then he's getting paid yeah, for, two, for 680 years, he's getting paid, yeah he's 680 that. million of it's being deferred to the back end i hate the and, back and, end that's the post end oh the post end yeah and where he's able to and, and uh, that would be spaced out over the course of his lifetime and his estate's life time until it's paid off but i mean you you look at the, i mean it's brilliant in a way if you think about it right i mean it's brilliant for everybody's whining about it with from you know what the dodgers are doing but it's, it's pretty brilliant to be honest with you it's gonna let them have more players and it's gonna save him some tax dollars it's like when you win the lottery and instead of taking all of it one time i mean this guy was only going to get paid like 34 million a year which i know it's say only but you know with high right. tax or high income tax in California, um, you know, he's going to benefit from this. I wonder how that works if he is living in a non, let's say he moves to Texas, which is a non-state tax, income tax state. I don't know how it, if I said that correctly. It's a non-income tax state. That in Florida and Tennessee and uh, there's a couple others out west. If he moved there, how would that work, I wonder? Because you know that's why that's a Henry question. You you know I don't know if Henry would know that. You know where so many uh, people now uh, musicians have moved to Nashville in the last few years, and and to Las Vegas in because I think Nevada is one of those two that's a non in non income tax state. There's no state tax on your income. Uh, it's because of that. A lot of athletes have been for years moving to Florida. Yeah, sports is weird because like game, it's normally it's based off your you get it a, it's actually a game check at. and it's yeah. it's wherever the game was being played at. But right. you know, you were when you brought up some of that stuff, you were talking about like golfers and stuff, especially trying to move to Florida. Right? Um, yeah. yeah, it's weird. I don't know how that'll work because for the Latin, the next ten years, he won't actually be playing games. He'll just be getting checks. So I don't know if because the Dodgers are in L.A. or if it'll be where he lives. That's interesting. <laughs> Well, he'd get taxed on the two mil, but he's makes so much money off the field with endorsements and, and things of the like that he doesn't he doesn't need it. But I, I think it's brilliant. I think it was I, a team player decision and a uh, financial decision. Very, very. And I don't understand why he's being right. criticized. I, I really don't because people I, and are criticizing I mean, and don't understand it. Right, and you're gaming the system, and the Dodgers are going to be better with him and and create leaving all that money open that they can spend on other free agents. It's brilliant. All right, uh, big thanks today to Brett Friedlander. Good stuff there. Saturday Road, check him out at SaturdayRoad.com. And thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. Great job producing today. Pilk, uh, tomorrow we will have with us Doug Martin. Talk um, football. 
Doug Martin will be on. All right, looking forward to that. Hey, have a great rest of your Tuesday evening, everybody. We'll see you in the morning on Talk of the Town and back here tomorrow afternoon at 5 for the PJ Show. Have you had a colonoscopy? 